You're listening to the Back Porch Talk Podcast. Danny and Jason had many discussions and debates on the back porch while making pivotal investment moves with assets. That's right, with trading cards. They welcome you to the back porch and right into those discussions about current sports news with a fresh and unique twist. So come on and join us. Welcome to the Bad Ports Talk Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason. This is your co-host, Danny. Man, we got a fun field show for you today. We just want to talk about the NBA, the bubble situation, but more importantly, the playoffs. At the time of this recording, we are actually down 2-0 against the Miami Heat. The second game was late, and, and quite honestly, fans, this is just going to go really off the dome here. We're, we're just we're trying to figure some things out, quite honestly. We, we don't know which direction to go. And we're just going to talk it out. Figure that's going to be the best route to go. This is going to be a therapy session for us. Uh, and then hopefully we can move and encourage the Bucks to uh, take this in seven. So uh, with that, uh, Danny, what are your thoughts so far about these Milwaukee Bucks, man? Jason, they, look, they just look like they're not there yet. And it's kind of been a consistent pattern since they've been in the bubble where they just haven't put a good game together yet front to back. Everything's been a challenge for them. Even in the Orlando series, a few of those games, yeah, they, you knew they had them. But like the closing game, they're up 21, and all of a sudden Orlando's within three. And now you have a competitive team, an opponent where they expect to beat the Bucks. I feel watching this series, Miami thinks they're the, the top seed in, in the Eastern Conference. I think that all drives off their veteran leadership, Jimmy Butler, confident younger players they have on the team where they're not afraid of the Bucks. In particular, they have a, a plan in place for Giannis, where I think that's where right now he looks like he has a level of frustration. And I noticed this last year when they played Toronto, where he had that level of frustration where, and he's working his tail off, but he's not getting the results he expects. And this too is exposing part of his game where what is his default move besides going to the basket and drawing contact in a foul? That's one thing. Bledsoe needs to get going. He had a couple good moments last night in game two, and then he had a couple off moments as well. So I think altogether, if they put one full game together, that'll get them on the right track. But they still haven't done that to this point that they can look back and say, all right, yeah, we won that game by like 40. Hitting our threes, playing great defense. Things are just rolling. So I think that's the type of game they need. <laughs> they better get in game three because uh, they don't have a lot of time left against Miami. So those are my initial thoughts. How about you, Jay? Okay, look here, man. So for game two, so in the first quarter, <laughs> the Miami Heat scored 38 points. All the rest of the quarters, the rest of the way, we won. The 1-5 pick-and-roll action in the first quarter to get Brooke Lopez to guard Dragic was the key. And, you know, one of the things that I, I listened to, especially in the pregame, mm-hmm. when they interviewed Jimmy Butler, they asked Jimmy, you know, basically, how was our Giannis? And is he going to go – basically, is he going to go off? How did he feel about, you know, game one and stuff like that? And then he mentioned that all the rest of the Heat are going to, you know, they're going to do good too. 
uh, as a team. What he was really alluding to is that they're going to feature Dragic because he did mention Dragic is is a good player and he's going to do something. So they featured Dragic and it was a point of emphasis in the first quarter to go ahead and do the one five pick pick and roll yes. to get Brick Lopez on Dragic because they knew if we bring Lopez from the lane, he's slow footed and we're going to be able to do something and take advantage of that mismatch itself. They did that. I don't know how many times in a row successfully and where Dragic went ahead and hit it off the backboard or he just, just dropped it in. But that was the true uh, difference. And I, I think if I recall correctly, Coach Bud's remedy for that was to go to a smaller lineup. Mm-hmm. So he subbed out Brooke Lopez. I forgot who he put in. Could have been Marvin Williams. Marvin Williams, I think. Um, and I'll get to that in a minute. It, it helped remedy it a little bit, but by then it was too late. The damage had been done in that first quarter. Now, they went back to it a couple of times throughout the game, especially in the fourth quarter. I, I want to say they did it two times in the fourth quarter. To, again, the 1-5 pick and roll, get Brooke on Dragic. Let's just go ahead and drop it in because that was almost like an automatic. So when you're in a tight game like that, you know what's going to go go well for you. You know now let's go ahead and get a point. Let's get a bucket here or there. We don't necessarily need a three. We're going to draw up a play that we know is going to work. I say that to say what I've seen in Miami Heat is a very polished team in that they did a hell of a lot of film study. There were several times in game two and where I saw Jimmy Butler blow up a play, especially at the top of the key, when the Bucks would go ahead and dribble a handoff yep. uh, at the top of the key, acting like they're going to you know, go ahead and uh, do a pink roll action or what have you. And Jimmy got, got that. This was like in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Jimmy went ahead and blew that up, stole the ball a couple times, or really hindered the whole uh, motion of the play. So that comes from film study. And I, I really believe, I, I think to some degree, the Bucks may have underestimated a little bit on the Miami Heat. May have. I've come to terms with DJ Wilson not seeing the floor. I'm not saying DJ Wilson would have helped in this situation, but the reason why I bring that up is because it says a whole lot to the player development of the Milwaukee Bucks. Mm-hmm. In our previous show, I went ahead and said they need to go ahead and get our guy in Detroit. Wood. C. Wood. They need to go ahead and get him because he developed even more after he left our squad. That says a lot. And I'm looking at Dante DiVincenzo, and I'm like, I know this is Dante's first playoff run because last year he was hurt. But I'm like, okay, Dante, this is your time to shine. This is your time to really showcase what, what you all about. Yeah. And I don't see anything from Dante right now. I mean, Dante and Pat Connaughton. Pat Connaughton, this is a contract year. What you doing, man? I mean, I initially thought you deserved to get contract. So I don't know what the bus going to do, man. Uh, let, let me ask you this, Danny. What do you think about their player development? Because I'm just, I'm just kind of at a loss. Um, uh, you know, when you look at some of the other teams with like Toronto, when you look at Miami, you look at their player, player development, you look at their players, players you never even heard of. Mm-hmm. And they developed them, and here they are. Who do we have that we've actually developed? Okay, we developed Giannis into a monster. We developed him into a two-time MVP. Yep. Or, shall I say, soon to be a two-time MVP. But other than that, I mean, you got Chris Milton, but yep. who, who else did you do, have we really developed to come alongside? 
Like it depends. Like the veteran players on the team. So if you take Brooke Lopez, for example, mm-hmm. he was a good player, but he was kind of on his downside of his career until he, he resurrected with the Bucks. Mm-hmm. So with the three-point shooting and just his overall game has improved. But do you contribute that to him being a veteran versus if you're talking about the rookies and like a Sterling Brown, DJ Wilson, C. Wood when he was here, Thon when he was here. MCW. You have an argument. Because I look at someone like Giannis, and I look at Coach Bud, and Coach Bud's opened his game up. So Mm -hmm. it's not just go to the rim and try to dunk. He at least is trying to shoot threes and things like that. So I think from the younger player perspective, I think you definitely have a point. And it would be very interesting to see, say, two years what DiVincenzo is, if they stay intact, right, and how he plays and how his game improves. On that same trajectory, you look at, like, someone like Tyler Hero, or mm-hmm. Duncan Robinson mm-hmm. from looking at the Miami Heat mm-hmm. and how their games have improved immensely. Dramatically. And in the playoffs. The confidence they have. Yeah. So that may be part of it too. It may not just be the player development, but it's the confidence. Instilling the confidence in the players where, where Dante may not have that right now at this point in time, but over time he'll develop that since, like you said, it's his first playoffs. Like Sterling Brown, those guys aren't even getting minutes. So you you might as well write them off. So those are draft picks you had, and you're just going to build with veterans is my thought. So it, it, I agree with it, where it, you're it, going with the whole you know, player development thing. I have to say this, man. As much grief as I have been giving uh, Marvin Williams, I got to give some props. So what I saw in the game yesterday uh, in game two, yeah, he missed a couple of shots, but you know what? He played some good defense, and he, he showed true grit. To me, it's almost like – you could tell as a veteran, he actually developed into a role. He worked himself mm-hmm. into a role. I think after the trade, he was just trying to figure out, okay, where, where do I fit in? Yep. And he just continued to work, work, work. And yeah, I gave him some grief. He seems like he kind of fits in now. He, he found his niche. He found his role, if you will. Um, and I think that's kudos to just him being a veteran. Uh, Bledsoe, uh, I'll say this, Bledsoe came and he, he did compete. You know, I think he, I want to say he had about 16 points last evening. He competed because he saw Dragic just giving it to him or not to him because he got, he always got picked. He was getting picked. <laughs> he was getting picked, picked. The, the, you know, and so he was just giving it to the team. So at least Bled went back at him. Let me ask you this, man. You briefly touched up on it. Giannis, has he improved his game from last year? That's key for his game right now. He does not – he still doesn't have that mid-range game. And that's where I think what he needs, where he can default to like a fadeaway shot or something like a pull-up or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It can't be either a three or a drive to the lane. Mm -hmm. There has to be something in there where he makes the defender at least think. Mm -hmm. Because they're just setting up in a – Waiting for a charge. Waiting, waiting for him. So unless he can get that that mid-range, like I'm not saying he has to knock it down like Middleton, but he at least has to make it a threat. And yep. he hasn't improved his free throw shooting. But we talked about this in our last show. This was my fear with picking the buck, free throw shooting. He did knock him down last night, but he missed a couple right at the end that were key. Mm-hmm. And I contribute. I think he just looks tired. So if you get into the end of the game <laughs> – 
and he's exhausted and he didn't play but what 36 minutes last night Mm -hmm. and that's the other thing too man where you just don't know with them being in the bubble and now his family's there like you don't know mentally and physically if that's wearing on him as well from an outside perspective but to answer your question he's hitting more threes than he did last year but i think for his game to go to the next level he has to get some type of mid-range jumper that he can just pull up and knock down I'll say this, this kind of give you an idea here. So, so Giannis last night, 10 for 18 from the field. He played 36 minutes, uh, 9 for 13 from the free throw line, 14 rebounds. So, a total of 29 points, 14 rebounds, and three assists, one block, mm-hmm. two turnovers. And that's nothing to sneeze at. I'm not saying that was a bad number four, by any four, means. But. Four fouls. Middleton had five fouls. And I think that's another thing, too, we got to keep in mind. You got to keep in mind the foul trouble that Middleton and Giannis got into in the first quarter. Yep. And that's like really in both games. Yes. So they're taking him out. They're taking, taking him out early. They know his move before he does it. Well, I, I don't think he's necessarily improved his game. Yes, he's, he's shooting threes, which, you know, he has improved his three point shooting. And uh, so I, I give him kudos on that. I don't know. Just looking at the stats for Giannis, free throw rise. Last year, he was a 73% free throw shooter the year before that 76 percent year before that 77 percent and then this year he's dropped down to 63 percent so that's that's a 10 percent drop in in free throw shooting and just imagine if he hit 75 percent of those free throws he'd be averaging like 33 34 points a game and it could come from him being tired i'll say this because i think when the Bucks started to come back, it was with the guards handling the rock, bringing the rock up. Exactly. I think they need to go more in terms of taking the ball out of Giannis' hands, bringing it up. Because there was a time in the fourth quarter where you could tell the difference in the flow of the game with a guard, a true guard, yeah. uh, bringing it up versus Giannis. And I think what they need to do is take the ball out of Giannis' hands, let Giannis do some action. So set a pick. Yep. You know, um, and I think that's where the lack of his game really comes into play. It's kind of like, okay, well, Giannis is not going to really pick and pop. Exactly. He doesn't, he doesn't have that type of jumper that is going to, you know, this automatic trigger. It's going He has to wind up for it, if you will. Mm-hmm. He needs to go visit uh, Hakeem Olajuwon, man. Just go ahead and pay that money. You get millions of dollars, man. Go ahead and pay a little money to Hakeem. Go down to Hakeem and just, you know, go ahead and, and – figure out, okay, how can I, you know, have my back to the basket and, you know, be a threat from that perspective. And because it may even open it up even more. This thing, if he has a back to the basket, he's going to get double team. Yeah. He can draw a double team and then that can, you know, can kick it out from that point without he, even having to bring the ball up. Or he can face up by or the block. Up. And then it doesn't have to be always at the rim where he can do a floater. Even like if you look at Shaq's game, Mm-hmm. Shaq developed that little – it wasn't a hook. It was like the little floater thing he did, with one-hand floater. But he developed that where he wasn't he getting fouled all the time, and it gave him a different option. So – because Giannis's game is power. Mm-hmm. And that may be as simple as just figuring that out, where he has like a little floater underneath or something where he's not getting hammered because he's hitting the floor a lot too in the series already. Yeah, yeah and uh, I think that's ty- tiring him out. Yep. He wanted to figure it out because he can't keep doing this this many that many years. But I think Coach Bud needs to put him in more minutes now. I know he had the foul trouble, but they need him at least forty some minutes playing. He needs to be dang near if they need him the whole game kind of thing now. 
Yeah, he's going to have to man- really manage it. I mean, you, you, he's only played like 31, 32 minutes during the season. Mm-hmm. I mean, now it's time to, you know, let him go at it. Yep. But here again, it, it depends upon what his foul yeah, situation foul is like. Exactly. So uh, a lot of that is dependent upon on that. Let me ask you this, man. I kind of look at Giannis as almost the new age or the modern day Lou Alcindor, where Lou, w- without the sky hook, mm-hmm. okay, where Lou needed the big O, Kareem needed magic. Giannis needs that guard. I think Brogdon, when we had him, uh, he was that shifty big guard uh, that can defend, get his own shots, and even shoot the three. If the Bucks do not get past this series do they blow it up i say no i think they need to add a piece but with this whole special situation going on here i think it buys them one more year to go for it so i say no if you need somebody you need somebody to get you an instant bucket put it like that Mm -hmm. just just an instant bucket just to give so it's not always on middleton Mm -hmm. so you need someone that that would compliment middleton where you can get a bucket. They need like a Lou Williams type player yep. on this team. And I think then they'll be that's why I say give it one more year because they they have really good chemistry based on what we see from the outside. And but they're missing that one score that would get them cuz it'll solidify their bench too to give them the score that can go out there and get you 20 on a given night. You need a nice 6th 7th yeah. man that can give you and if you look at a lot of these teams, like the Clippers have Lou Williams, Schroeder from you got OKC. Harrell, they got one, one of the Morris boys. Yep. You just, need, you just need someone to go out there and get you some buckets in a crucial situation and take some of the pressure off Middleton and Giannis. Because everyone knows, for the most part, they're going to try to take the shot. I'm almost leaning towards a major trade is going to have to happen. I'm almost okay. leaning towards like a Bledsoe, some kind of Bledsoe trade. Yes, there's going to be a few people that can come off the books, like like uh, Corver. This yep. is his last go around here. Marvin Williams, they're going to yep. sign. So, so you got just a little bit of room. Wesley Matthews, I, I want to say too. So do they go for CP3? Man, his his contract way too much, man. I agree, but he. But I tell you one thing. He looked good though in the in the playoffs, man. And, he looked good. And now be the Bucks' luck if you picked him up because he's had injury problems in the past in the playoffs. In this playoffs, he actually played the whole series, and he played like the CP3 everyone always expects to see mm-hmm. on the floor. Mm-hmm. The floor general, he can hit that jumper. He's not scared of the moment. And you're talking about pick and roll action. <sighs> if, you, if you have a CP3 on a Bucks, that means Giannis won't be bringing the ball up, which, which I think in a sense may help. Giannis. I'm leaning towards the Bucks making a major trade. They're going to have to do that, man, because look, this is Giannis's final year in the contract. Yeah. If if they don't do anything, if they keep the status quo, now by nature it's it's going to be a change because again, Wesley Matthews, Corver going to be gone, Marvin Williams going to be gone. The big question is, okay, who's who are they going to get to fill the starting role? And that may be the shakeup if they don't do a trade like you're proposing, because I I can see that already. If they do go out in this series. 
Mm-hmm. They even lose in the championship is going to be questioned. Bledsoe is the, I think, the sitting duck in this whole thing. I don't see them moving Brooke Lopez. Mm-mm. I don't see anybody taking Middleton's contract. Bledsoe has mm-hmm. the most contract-friendly. Exactly. He, you can move Bledsoe. And he has value. If they go the trade route, yeah, I agree with you. I think Bledsoe would be the one. But in my opinion, I just think they just need another score to add to this team and get help them get the, get over the hump. They need something to do something on that bench, too, because as we look at what the bench did last night, you had 26 points off the bench with George Hill getting 14 of those 26, and then you had uh, Corver with six points. Marvin mm-hmm. Williams with four, and then Connington with just two. Uh, you look at Miami's bench, and Miami's bench, you had 37, 37 points off of Miami's bench, man, with Hero with 17, and then Olenek with 11. Yep, and they hit some big shots last they night. They hit some big shots last night, you know, uh, three-pointers. Hero was three for eight from three. Olenek was three for four. Now, let me get that one when Bam fouled out. That that ended up being the one, man, that helped them get over it. Yeah, so I, I think when you look at the Bucks, man, I, I just think I put it like this, man. I, for some reason, I feel like the Bucs can still get them in seven. I think that the Bucks has taken the Heat's best shot. Yeah, Jimmy in the first in game number one with 40. At the same token, you know, I think Jimmy just went ahead and was a team player and allowed for others to get involved in game two. Mm-hmm. He, Where he, he definitely did that. On, yeah, he could just focus on defense, whatever. But I think the Bucks has taken the Heat's best shot, man. And our bench hasn't really awakened up yet. Totally agree. They they haven't been an influencer on the game yet. And then foul trouble. It, it, what would happen if Giannis and Milton wasn't in foul trouble in the first quarter? So that's why I say I think the Bucks can still get them. I mean, we just saw a Toronto team here just – uh, win a game on the last second three, and now they have new life. So it takes us one. It just takes one. I think it can give them a seven, man. Utah Denver series between Jamal Murray. Oh. And Donovan Mitchell. Now, those are the type of guards we need. <laughs> those are the type of guards we need. Oh, my gosh. You talk about just going straight at it, competing. And that those series that series was supposed to be boring, too. Oh, man, that thing was on point all the way live. It was like must-see TV. We run quickly through some of these other series in the yeah. first round. Yeah. First off, I agree, man. That Utah-Denver series, it exposed people to – talent you don't really get to see because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you don't get a lot of Denver games Mm-mm. unless you got the ticket or whatever you don't definitely don't get a lot of Utah games either and just to see those stars and Jokic and Gobert and some of the other players that shined in that series Porter has some moments in that series too and then Houston OKC Oh, man, look, man, I really <laughs> thought, okay, she was going to pull that out. Another um, one, man, another one that at the end of the game, I don't know if you remember the sequence they had. It was about a minute left in the game, and Houston was up. I think they were up two. OKC went in, missed a shot. Houston got the ball. They ran into a whole bunch of people. OKC stole the ball. It was kind of like 
that show Benny Hill back in the day, and they're just <laughs> going back and forth, and they couldn't score. <laughs> it was like 20 seconds of just pure chaos. Another series, hard fought. I'm curious on Harden going into this Lakers series because his shot's been flat. Look here, man. I, I believe I believe the Lakers are going to go ahead and I want to say sweep them, but I can see a, maybe a game Houston way at most two. The Houston Rockets, to me, it, it just seems like it's a team just ready to, I don't know, they're just at their final end. They went ahead and, and traded Capella, uh, and then Daryl Morey put all the chips in the middle of the table. Last-ditch effort. Let me try this gimmicky uh, small ball lineup, and here we are. And so I think, honestly, that the Houston Rockets will only win one game out of this, maybe two at most. So we'll see what happens. Can I, 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 can I add to that, though? Yeah. This is another series I think will be closer. Harden's not going to shoot this bad. That's the pro- That's the thing that I think this series he was – I don't know if they just wore him down because Dort was all up on him. I had never seen Harden play like that where Dort was being physical with him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't scared of him. And I think that wore Harden down. But I see one of those 50-point games coming out of Harden where I can, it, I can see at least going six. And they just pose a different matchup for the Lakers where I don't see LeBron losing to Houston or the Lakers losing to Houston. But I think it's going to be a little more difficult because Houston has all those shooters, man. If they get going, they, they can give the Lakers some problems. See, I don't know, man. See, I just – every time Houston gets to this point, it just seems like they shoot all these threes – and they have great, you know, great success with it. But then when it gets to the playoffs, whether it's a when they really need it or yeah. a game they really need it, what happens, man? They go 0-4 for whatever or a very bad percentage. And it's like, this is not going to work. I just don't see yeah. it. So I think this is going to be the end of D'Antoni's run, man. I think this is it. I'm going to absolutely love to see Russell Westbrook, you know, play. He can't shoot a 3 for for nothing, but uh, I'm gonna love to see his energy and his uh, in his you know motor go. But I just may I see this one game for Houston, maybe two, and that's it. I would have loved to see the Blade, Portland Trailblazers just at full strength against the Lakers, though. Yeah, they ran out of gas, and Lillard got hurt. And, and Lillard got hurt. Yeah, I would have loved to see that. I think that would have been a little bit more competitive. Denver Nuggets and Clippers, man. I see the Clippers just going ahead and. And doing this, let me ask you this, man. This every other day situation, you know, even if you win a series, then you go right into the next series, and it's like the the day after. Yep. I mean, how how do you feel about you know the schedule itself? I think it's tough on the players, obviously, for especially these game sevens coming off and turning around within thirty six hours or whatever time it is, two days. From a fan's perspective, I'm loving it, and they have a time constraint as well to get this done i understand they're trying to fast track it and minimize with the covid situation and whatever else they're just trying to get out the bubble successful mm-hmm. so i know it's a hindrance to the players that are running into these game sevens but for me personally man i love it man i know i got basketball on every night yep yep exactly i, I got a full slate right now exactly. you know now it's the evening games it's just like march madness if you think about it, it's all day. Yep. Now we got the night games, and then all of a sudden the conference finals will be up shooting like a week and a half, two weeks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
here's what I'm thinking, man. I, I'm thinking this it's been great, man. I, I too have been watching all the games, man. It's been great. NBA got this right from a standpoint of even marketing teams that you normally would not have seen. Yep. To your earlier point about Denver and Utah, uh, this is putting those superstars or stars in the limelight you normally would not have seen. So now you, you're you going to have maybe some more fans looking at Donovan Mitchell, Jamal Murray, even uh, Damian Lillard. You're going to start seeing more fans probably follow following them. So this has been a great success, I think, for the NBA. It's good that they finally got family yep. down there. Uh, I think they needed a big hug, among other things. We don't know what's going to happen next season. It's going to be a shortened season. If we're looking at that, that means we're looking at a shortened season. Mm -hmm. We're also looking at and this kind of goes into the whole planning of, okay, to the early question, do, do the Bucks go ahead and blow it up? If you have a shortened season, do you go ahead and blow it up? But here's the, here's the big thing with the news today of Steve Nash becoming the next head coach. You got KD coming back. You got Kyrie. Mm-hmm. You got a shortened season. I mean, KD is the truth, man. I mean, he can score from anywhere. We gonna need some scores on our team. And how the hell did Steve Nash get the job anyway, man? Let's back up for a moment, man. I know he was good with KD and everything. He doesn't have any coaching experience. Jason Kidd didn't have any coaching experience, and I guess Brooklyn is just good for that because Jason Kidd went to Brooklyn first. Yes, he did. So Brooklyn, this may just be. So Brooklyn may just have that in their DNA then. I, I think this had KD written all over it. I think so, too. But here's the thing, man. Steve Nash is not even a champion. No. So I'm surprised with that. Yeah, he's a two-time MVP, but he's not a champion. We'll see what happens, man. I, and I bring that up because, again, next year is going to be a shortened season. So as, we're, as I put the question out there about blowing up Milwaukee Bucks team, mm-hmm. if they don't make it to the finals or, or what have you, a part of me is saying you blow it up, but a part of me is saying short next season, you you keep the team intact because you've had success with it and it's good. It's a good locker room. You add a piece or two, and then you kind of see how that goes. I don't know Coach Bud is as good as we think. The reason why we'll see come next year, mm-hmm. and we see what the pieces are next year. Yeah. But I think he's going to have to change up his philosophy a little bit. Because now this is the second year in this philosophy. Everybody knows it. Rest in peace, Coach John Thompson. Uh, You were an excellent coach. A lot of people would not have heard or known about Georgetown if it wasn't for Coach John Thompson and what he did to that Georgetown Hoyas basketball team. A lot of people, especially those in the minority community, thought Georgetown was an HBCU or historically black housing university based upon the makeup of the team. 
a whole lot of people had those Georgetown starter jackets, the Georgetown hats, whatever the case may be, man. Some we had the George or the Georgetown gear. Unbeknownst to us, we were actually put more money into Georgetown pockets. Uh, but I digress. That's a conversation for another time. But if it wasn't for Coach John Thompson, we would not have seen a, a, a Patrick Ewing. We would not have seen a Allen Iverson. We would not have seen or heard about a Dikembe Mutombo or Alonzo Mourning. The, one of the most impressive things that about Coach John Thompson, uh, there was an out, outstanding record that I heard of, like uh, 97 or – it was like a 97 percentile mark in where if you went to Georgetown and you went under John Thompson or you were on the basketball team, you were going to get a degree. Uh, and so um, that's something that was very outstanding uh, that I heard. Uh, the other thing is, you know, he stood up for what he believed in, walking off the court um, because mm-hmm. of the uh, ruling there about, was it Prop 48? Lost a giant in men's college basketball um, and really a, a father figure to a lot of those athletes. Um, and it's interesting just hearing the stories behind the scene and what he did behind the scenes and all, you know, uh, that we normally would not have heard about. But, hey, kudos to John Thompson. Rest in peace, sir. Yeah, Jason. And I second everything you said. And you just think of back in the 80s with John Thompson when we were growing up. And I know we mentioned in the previous show about Big Monday and his influence to show from an African-American standpoint how successful he was and paved the way so, for so many others after him. Being a voice, a mentor, and standing up for social issues as well. He wasn't just a basketball coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he represented a lot to the community and just in general outside of the basketball world. Mm-hmm. So I totally agree with you, man. He, he will definitely be missed. And you just think of that big gruff voice. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, him announcing the NCAA games, March madness mm-hmm. in his later years and everything. And um, yeah, sad, but he definitely had a great influence on us growing up as kids and Definitely. so many other, so many others that play for him or were just in his space. So definitely, definitely rest definitely. in peace. And then I also have to say rest in peace to Chadwick Boseman, the actor who played many characters on screen, whether it was Jackie Robinson or Thurgood Marshall or James Brown. Uh, but mm-hmm. globally, he'll probably be most remembered as King T'Challa of uh, Black Panther. I uh, got my Black Panther shirt on right now. Yep. And I'm dressed in uh, all black. And there you go. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you, sir, for using your craft to lift the generation of people. Uh, he'll definitely be missed, man, but his his legacy lives on. So um, rest in peace to John Thompson and rest in peace to Chadwick Boseman. Thank you for joining us at Backports Talk Podcast. You can also join us on Twitter by tweeting us at back underscore podcast. For more information, you can go to our website, which is backportstalkpodcast.com. You can also email us at backportstalkpodcast at gmail.com. 
Again, thank you for joining us. And remember that there's enough hate in the world. So go ahead and spread a little love.